Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there. My thing is, I'm not even that famous, man. There's so much better people to hate on. Do you even see it online? Do you ever catch yourself like looking or scrolling? Oh, I, I think anything? it's unavoidable. It's also not people's fault. Like the way social media and YouTube works, like the algorithm works, it encourages hate. Yeah. You're gonna get more likes and more feedback when you hate. Can you sue people? I don't, have you tried doing any of that? The internet's always gonna internet. There's nothing you can do to combat that. If you're gonna critique, stand up, my fight picks or my football picks, all good. That's what the internet's for. Now, if you're gonna go out there in defamation, like Brendan hits his kids or beats his wife, oh. well, then you got my attention, I'm gonna come after you. Hot breath. What's goody, Hot breath averse? Welcome back to Hot Breath, the show where you learn comedy from the pros. I am your host, comedian Joel Byers, and our mission here is to cultivate the next generation of great comics by interviewing today's great comics. And our guest today, has the comedy game's biggest love-hate relationship with the internet. Nobody in the comedy game gets more online hate than this guy, but no one in the comedy game also gets as much online love as this guy. Regardless of what side of the fence you're on, you will leave this episode with a completely new understanding of how our guest got to where he is, the sacrifices made along the way, and what positive impact he is actually working to have on the comedy game. We're all about comics helping comics here, which is why every week I also send a summary of these episodes to our email list. You can join linked in the description of this episode. And let's get into it, my friends. There is only one thing left to do, and that is inhale a hot breath with Brendan Shaw. Yeah, that's the thing with this show. I've been doing it seven years. And now it's like, okay, maybe it should make money. <laughs> Type yes. to, you know, I yeah, flew out to L.A. to Hobbies record cool, podcasts. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be dope if you did this as a living, which yeah. you should. You're yeah. good at it and you get good guests. Yeah. So there's no reason why this shouldn't be your you know, focal point. And then also as a comic, it's just a good way to, you know, it's just all in the same ecosystem. Yeah. What, what would you say for like, what kind of advice would you have for this show if I could selfishly for yours I ask you yeah it's it's primarily right now super engaged in like the comedian community comedy fans aren't that aware of it yet and like so the numbers reflect that so i'm but at, i'm at a point you know i flew out here to do podcasts so yeah. it's like where's the roi how can we start making money back you know? i mean how's how's the social media clips and stuff like that how's the reels it you know yeah that's where i need to be consistent you yep. know what i mean get those out that's there and the then game. it's gonna help because you, you can only do so much in what you're what you're doing, but it helps. And I, I've, I've never understood this when comics, whether on a show or they're on your podcast, when they don't blast out your stuff. Like, it's it should be like we're a team. We all help each other out. Yeah. So, like, after you do a clip of this, I should blast it out. And then people are like, my fans are like, oh, what's this? And then look, oh, that's dope. That was a different interview or whatever. That was a fun interview. Yeah. And they go down the rabbit hole and then it just builds, builds, builds. Okay. Whoever you have on, it's, it, there's nothing worse than like, hey, man, you mind posting this? You know, it's <laughs> like, uh, but you, I always like, whatever we do, food truck or whether it's finding the kid, whoever you have on, I'll let them know, hey, uh, we're live and I send them the clip. Up to them what they want to do with it. I won't be like, hey, make sure you post this, but 
you know, I come from the place like, yeah, man, this is part of the gig. Like, you come on the show, like, part of this is, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. It's also just the right thing to do. Yeah. It's like comics when I first came to LA and I started stand up, they would send me the flyers. I'm like, oh, cool. And I'd always put it up. Always, I'd blast it either on the main page or on Twitter, especially on my story. And so many clubs were like, oh, thank you so much for posting the, the graphic that you're on the show. I'm like, yeah, why would, who's not doing that? They're like, nobody. Uh. I'm like, oh, interesting. Why wouldn't you want to promote you're on a show? Like, ah, comics like to save that stuff just for their tours or whatever. I'm like, who cares? Mm -hmm. I don't get it. Why is everyone so weird about this stuff? This show's all about comics helping comics. You know, it's interviewed over 400 comedians on here all about comedy. So that is, that's the spirit behind what we're doing. So maybe I do need to tap into that a little bit more. And that, that intention of wanting to interview someone and like celebrate their success and learn from it. Same thing when marketing it of like, hey, let's all help each other do better and spread like the yeah, joy I'm of comedy. Yeah, I'm you're a good dude. And obviously you've been doing comedy for a hot second in Atlanta. So it's like... Uh, yeah, what, like you doing well doesn't take away from insert, you know, Bill Burr mm -hmm. or insert me. It has nothing to do with it. Who cares? Yeah. There's enough pie for everybody. I don't get it. Yeah. Like the, the more, the bigger your platform is, well, it's a home for comics. Like there's only a few podcasts that comics can go. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of podcasts, but if you become this hub for comics, great. It's another outlet where we don't have to bow down to this bullshit, you know, major media uh, you know, conglomerate and jump into there where they dictate what you can say, what you can't. Mm -hmm. And then Pfizer as a freaking you know sponsor. Mm -hmm. It's like that's what you guys want to promote. Yeah, All right, yeah. cool. <laughs> but or you could get really big, and then comics have a home to go to. Yeah, that's what I'm starting to picture it as. And we were talking before the show as we were like talking about your studio. Is I'm starting to picture it almost as like how Carson would like showcase comedian and their talents and yep. put them in a good light and let them be funny and find new fans. I'm starting to feel this show was heading that direction of me just interviewing comics, but also setting them up to succeed and thinking of maybe putting a studio in Atlanta that is more like late night vibe for lack of a better term. That'd be cool. But really like just go all in on that vision of like kind of Johnny Carson vibe. Yeah, that'd be dope. Like when, yeah. like when you had Earthquake on recently, mm -hmm. uh, how was that interview? Just sit, like, do you guys know each other? We reviewed his comedy special on our YouTube channel. His, his recent the one? The legendary one, yeah. Dude, it, it was like 14 laughs per minute and he really enjoyed like how we went into the science of the special. He's such a good comic. Dude, I mean, he's been doing it over 30 years. His nickname's Earthquake. Yeah. <laughs> it's not because of his weight when he walks in. It's because when he performs, they, li literally people think there's an earthquake. It, it's one of the best specials I've ever seen. Like Amazing. still, it is, is undeniable. And he, he's one of those vets who recognizes like, oh, younger comics, like appreciating the craft of comedy. So we like connected. And then we actually met in Atlanta. I was supposed to interview him in Atlanta. And this was when I was just one man band, my own camera and everything. And I had an audio malfunction on my recorder. Like it would not read oh, the SD card. Nothing worse. So then I, we're just in his dressing room and I'm like, all right, well, we'll do it on my phone. And he's like, well, let's, let's do it the right way. He's like, we're friends now. We'll do it the right way. So then a few months later we just connected and I've been going back and forth with his publicist. And then we booked a date for me to be on his radio show and to also record That's dope. the podcast in his studio. So it was just just networking and just I think years of goodwill that a veteran's like oh I see this next generation let me let yep. me help them out yep no yeah and that's what get, that's and that's how it should be man yeah yeah you know, yeah that's really how it should be yeah I don't like the the negative competitive which I think I think I feel like 
Joe Rogan really like shifted the mindset in comedy of like, we're not against each other, we're really together and we can like, a rising tide can lift all boats. Correct. He seemed to be like the tip of the spear on yep. that. Yep, and then he took that ship and you know, he went to Austin. So that's the same yeah. philosophy out there in Austin, but you know, now LA's like Game of Thrones because the king's <laughs> out of, you know, got his head cut off. <laughs> By head cut off, I mean he moved to Austin. Yeah, yeah. And then now, now it's back to survival of the fittest. Oh. Just fine. I, you know, I can do both. Yeah, I yeah. can adapt with both. I'm down, but um, it was a better time when Rogan was in town. How was it different? Uh, it's just, you know, when you got a, a guy at that magnitude going, this is how we do it. Everyone respects everybody. We support each other in every way possible, whether it's podcasts, putting each other on shows. Like, this is how we do it. Like, people are like, I guess that, even if they didn't want it, like, eh, that's what I got to do if that's what the guy says. And that's how he carries himself. We're going to do the same. So it was just a more welcoming time. Mm -hmm. Then he leaves, and that kind of standard's gone. And, you know, I, I th you know, you still got the big boy, you know, you got uh, Santino and Bobby doing, you know, bad friends. You got Burt Kreischer. He just does his on his own. Segura's gone. Theo's gone. Tim Dillon's in and out, right? Um, so it's just, it's just kind of everyone spread. So that kind of, you know, those kind of uh, unspoken rules are gone. Oh. Which is, you know, I'm down for the lawlessness of town. <laughs> I'm down for that. I'll survive in that. But it's just, it's just not as fun, if that makes sense. Yeah. Have you been on his uh, mothership yet? I have not. I have not. I've, uh, I'm there Saturday. But when I come in, I'm there for the fight companion. And, it, you know, the cards out there start at 9. So we get done, you know, sometimes a three, four-hour show. So we get, we get done at 1, 2 in the morning. And I don't want to go up the, you know, the comedy, the mothership when it's, you know, two in the morning. Yeah, you know? yeah. So we need to figure out the time where I'm not there doing shows. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just tough with my schedule too. Like, I, don't get me wrong, I'd love to go there, love to perform, and we'll figure something out. But it's also, when Joe asks me, I'll be there. You know, but, but it's 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 tough with my schedule. Gotcha. It's tough with his schedule. It's tough, and he also doesn't book it. You know, Adam Egit, who used to work at the store, books it, and Adam's my boy. So we just got to figure something out. You know that that makes sense but uh it, it's with kids and it's just i don't live the life of some of these comics you know in their 30s or damn near 40s that don't have kids or don't have a wife where man if i was younger if it was you know before my son came oh i'd be on a plane out there on a tuesday night and yeah. you know having drinks off sixth street and doing my thing but now it's it takes a lot for me to leave i don't care what it is man yeah i don't care what it is like me and bert when i was on his show I had this conversation you know Bert started crying, you know, because Bert's the best in the world, man. He, he's the absolute best guy in the world. But, you know, he, he tours different. He gets a tour bus. He's gone for, you know, weeks, months at a time. And he did that even when his kids were young. And so I was asking him about his movie, and this is before it came out. And he's like, hopefully with the, you know, the Russia war, who knows, man, it kind of screws me over. I'm like, oh, that's terrible, man. It's like your big break, not that you need it. Everybody knows who you are. But when you make a movie about your, your the machine store, it's a big deal. He's like, I know. And I'm like, how long were you out there? He's like, man, I was in uh, wherever they shot in Russia. He's like, I don't know, like four or five months. I'm like, oh, that's insane. He's like, let me ask you this. I know you're a homebody and you got kids. If they asked you to do a movie, but you couldn't see your kids for four, you know, to six months, would you do it? I'm like, no, no, mm. I wouldn't do it. He's like, you're telling me if they're like, hey, you can be Batman, but you can't have your kids for six months. I'm like, that's the difference between us, dude. It's just not, I've just gotten to this level. It's not a success level. Maybe it's a maturity level. Now nothing's worth missing the time. You leave for f a week, and if you have a two- or three-year-old, they're completely different, man. You're missing that stuff. Mm. It's just not, that's where I'm at, man. Yeah.
And is that the motivation behind Thick Boy Studios? Is like, oh, let me just build something right down the road that I can kind of like, I mean, you're friends with Rob Deerdeck. That's basically what he's done. Like his office is right down the road Correct. too. Is that like your mindset now? Yeah, I think so. Just everything's more convenient. Cause I used to, when I was with Showtime for six years, we're in Santa Monica, but I still lived out here in the Valley. So I'd drive, you know, depending on traffic, at least an hour, hour and a half every day there and back starting about two, three hours. So I wasn't, I wasn't able to pick my kids up from school, drop them off. So it was just, you know, one thing about running your own stuff. There's a lot of other things that I didn't anticipate happening when you when you you know when you're the captain of the ship because when I was at Showtime, I was the town. I just showed up, did my thing. They took care of the staff, the booking, the cameras, the I didn't no no overhead. I was like whatever, and they just paid me my salary, and I got out. That was an easier, simple life, man. It was a lot easier, and there's pros and cons because you know they're not coming out here. You know they're not going to move their operation out to Calabasas, but um it, it's good and bad the good is i can drop my kids off at school every day pick them up uh i don't miss baseball games the bad is you have to be a boss I, that's not what i signed up for you know <laughs> even as an entrepreneur like i don't have to fire people talk to people about their salaries like, i just want to show up and be silly with my friends and you know have a good time with these pods but so heavy lies the crown with that stuff man it's good and bad but yeah. life was much much more simple it was even more simple. I was fighting the UFC. My life was less stressful as a UFC fighter than it is now as a comic. Comic, because UFC, you have one goal, whatever. Let's say your fight's December 15th or 16th. Okay, I have this camp. I, I know what to do in a camp. Show up. Uh, it's very black and white. Was it a success, win or lose? Great. But with comedy, it's like, you know, you can be doing this for the next 40 years, man. And it, so you gotta, you gotta pace yourself where, when to work, how to work, how long, mm -hmm. how long you wanna be out. It's just a different animal, man. Yeah, but even in the MMA, like you were selling supplements door to door and a friend was paying for your training. Correct. So it's like, so that wasn't like a cakewalk either, you know? It wasn't a cakewalk, but I also didn't, you know, it's just you, your, your lifestyle changes. You're, you know, back then all I had to worry about was myself. Oh, so it's yeah. like, I don't care if the money comes through if someone screws me on payment, I don't care. When I have employees who are my friends who I care about, so they gotta get paid. I got kids that you know they got tuition. That, you know I got a wife. I got a mortgage, multiple mortgages, like you know, cars. Yeah, yeah cars. <laughs> yeah, who's gonna pay for these skinny jeans? Dude? <laughs> and my shoe collection. Man. So it's just back then it was like I didn't care, dude. You mm -hmm. know, it's much more simpler. You have six shows here. Is it six shows here? Uh, what do we got? Firing the Kid, Golden Hour, Shop Show, Food Truck, Calabas Fight Companion, and then am I missing anything? We'll do the one-on-ones. Yeah, around six. So it feels like you maybe have figured out like a framework or some sort of workflow to a successful show. Oh, I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe from an outsider's perspective, but the caveat to that, and me and Theo used to discuss this, is it better to do less, and so you, you're working less, so you have more free time to do what, I don't know what Theo does in, during the day. I have no clue what he does during the day. Yeah. He does one <laughs> show a week, I don't know. My thing is, is I'm, a, uh, I'm addicted to work, I'm a workaholic, and I have to, it's a balance. I've met with experts how to deal with that, oh. but I'm like a shark, if I, if I stop moving, I'll die. So it's a problem. So you'll see, I've built all these shows, I've done all this stuff, and I, I constantly wanna work and do stand-up every night, and multiple sets, and multiple shows. But there has to be a balance. Is it better to do less and get all the views on just that or spread it across six different shows and do a million different things, you know? So I don't know if I figured out the formula. 
You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I have. I, you know, I, I think as I get older, like less is more. Theo, the, and Theo told me that a long time ago. But and that, that, that's what works for him. Because for Theo, he's like, I just don't like having to, you know, do, you know, prepare for shows, you know, because after, especially shop show or the fight shows, I have to, you know, research, do stuff like that. And then on King the Singers, me and him, like, that was a, a roast battle. Me, I mean, I was writing oh, roasts dude, and me and yeah. him were going back and forth. So you, that show wasn't something that you wanted to do twice a week. You know, and he was like, man, I don't like having the anxiety or the pressure of, constantly working Monday through Thursday like I want my freedom like yeah that works for you and he's figured out man he's crushing it he's one of the funniest people I know and that that works for him but then Rogan who worked Monday through Friday do you know three four hour pods and just roll with it and then stand up at night so that's what worked for him Adam Carolla do I think Adam has 10 podcasts he does a week legit like 10 different shows on top of the Carolla show like he's working he has like a car show Dr. Drew show the Adam Carolla show he does all the stuff and stand up at night Oh, jeez. So everyone's different. Yeah. But, like, with Howie Mandel, you know, Howie, he owns JFL. He's on America Got Talent. He's, you know, he's he was on all those game shows before that. The guy, you know, he's probably worth, I don't know, he's guessing here, three, four hundred million. He asked me to go to his podcast studio. It's not far from here. I walk in. I'm looking. It's dope. I'm looking around. He's asking me to look at his fish tank because I know fish tanks. I'm like, yeah, yeah, all the fish are dead, but whatever. <laughs> and, uh, he uh, he's asking me like you know just <clears throat> question about the podcast game stuff like that. I just looked at him and I was like, why? Mm-hmm. He said, what do you mean? I'm like, why do a podcast? You're on NBC on America Got Talent. Why are you doing a podcast? He's like, cause you know th- that's a season. So I shoot those seasons. And I'm done and I'm my stand up. But he's like, with uh, podcasts, I control the the workflow. And he's like, and I have to work. He's like, I'm addicted to working. He's like, it's not even about the money. I'm set. He's like, all I, I just, it gives me something to focus on. Like, that makes sense. Yeah. Teach their own, but I would, yeah, I would not be that guy. Yeah. At a certain point, I've, I think I've heard you say that you, your business isn't run by like what's going to make money. Like you said, you don't make decisions based on like what's going to make the most money. Never, never. So it's, now that's different when I have employees because then sometimes I have to do certain things where I would never agree to because mm. I know it's going to bring in this certain amount of money. I'm like, all right, it's more work for me, but everyone's going to eat. All good. I'm done for that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I never go, oh, let's do this because I know it's going to be the cool, trendy thing to, and to make a ton of money. No, that's not the business I'm in ever. What is the – so what is, like, the structure of, like, like a podcast – like, monetizing a podcast? Because it seems like you're, you're very savvy at, like, okay, advertising, but then you also seem to have merch figured out and then also, like, Patreon. Like, yeah. what, are, what are the streams that you build to, like – Elevate a show. Yeah, it's all, so it's all in the ecosystem, right? Because you have your your podcast or your podcast network, mm-hmm. uh, which people will tune into, you know, every week, every day. Hopefully, if you're doing it right. But then, and then that promotes the comedy. So it's like it, the, the, they go hand in hand because the better your podcast is doing, the more tickets you're selling. So the, the, that's in that ecosystem. And then with me, I think during COVID, I realized it even before then, but. You know, when it comes to podcast reads, there's so much more you can do with that. It could, because the podcast read is just an audio read, and they might get some return, but, you know, even I fast-forward through the ads. So it's like, this can't be a good... When I when someone talks to me, like, well, here's 20 grand for a read, you know, for, for this month, I'm like, you're not going to see your money, man. I'm telling you, you're not going to sell $20,000 in underwear. Like, <laughs> you, you know, you might be good for brand association, but you're not going to get that money. So... My deals now, I, I have those. Obviously, we have the podcast reads, but 
now it's more of a 360 deal where it includes social media, whether it's the finding the kids social media, golden hour social media, my social media, my independent endorsements will trickle into the show. So it's this whole ecosystem where it's just not predicated on a certain amount of views you're getting stuff like that. So they're getting the biggest bang for their buck. Mm-hmm. And so it's not predicated also, you know, cause summer's a slow time for podcasts, you know, or predicated on, we have this huge guest, let's make sure we do this. So it's, it's just a way to kind of, ride the waves where it's not this these ups and downs you know that so that's and then with the patreon patreon was interesting because it, some guys kill right tim dylan kills it schultzy kills it right there's certain guys who just crush on patreon i'm not n- never been a big p- fan of the the pay structure behind a paywall and uh i think theo's thing and again Th- theo doesn't get enough credit as far as business wise because um, I gotta be careful I say this just because of the, the stuff uh, with contracts. But with King and the Sting, the sh- the show was blowing up, blowing up, blowing up, and we thought we deserved this much, and we, we were expecting this much, and that didn't come to fruition. So Theo's like, "Why are we letting this certain company sell things when we're not getting the money? Why don't we? We have the fan base. Why don't we go behind the the paywall, behind the Patreon?" He's like, they'll, they'll rally. Maybe not everybody, but they'll rally. So, so we did that. So we decided to cut half and half. Again, that's not because we wanted to make all this money. It was because it was a way to secure our future in the show going, let's not bank on them coming through and paying us. Mm-hmm. This, we can put in the time. It's a great show. And the fans support us. It was like, I don't know, $5. He's like, you know, it's a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Hopefully, if people subscribe to that, then we don't have to just, we're not slaves to the system. And that was the thinking behind that. Mm-hmm. We still do the Patreon now with Golden Hour. It's just that you know people get familiar with it, so you don't want to change. But the paywall is tough because there's so much free content out there. But the super fans, are, they're they're down for the ride. Like those are your ride or dies. Whether it's a good show, bad, those are your ride or dies. You know. I don't know. I'm just I'm seeking your guidance here, as like you've seemed to have figured out like the media side of this podcasting game, and now I'm looking to elevate this podcast really into a show yep so i'm really looking to like getting yeah and i think that's something you have to do because i think you know we've been doing fire kid for 12 years when we started brian's garage you're almost 13 years now so when we started everyone their gay aunt didn't have a podcast like you know there's no uh level to entry there's no barrier so Mm -hmm. anybody can do it People see the success of shows, whatever show you're into, and they go, I can talk, I can do that. So they do it. doesn't mean it's going to be successful. So now it's it's oversaturated. And, and especially in the past year, the podcast bubble burst. The Spotify deals, they lost their ass. Not on Rogan. They saved their ass on Rogan. They're lucky they signed Joseph Rogan. And I don't – Rogan and I will argue about this. I don't give a fuck. He got underpaid. Hmm. He, you, you, you look at the, the valuation of their stock and how much that company is worth now because they signed Rogan – Compared to what they paid them, you know, I'm a shark when it comes to business. They underpaid my man. He, they underpaid. He should got paid a lot more. All good. All good. That's his thing. You know, I still, I would have done the deal. I'm just saying, you look at how much that company is evaluated now, and then you look at the money they tossed, uh, the Obamas, that uh, woke so boy, um, what's his name, fucking uh, Prince Harry and uh, oh, Meghan Markle. Yeah. You look at all these shows, uh, shows that I, and the other shows I'm fans, so I won't say them. They've all lost their ass on that, except for Joseph Rogan. They could have taken that money and just put it towards him, you know, and, and signed a longer deal because his deal's up soon. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I think it was a three-year deal. Good luck with that. Three-year, $100 million? Yeah. 
but but even that he he was making and people were like oh my god so much money he was making I, you know I don't give away his finance I mean he was making good amount of money but it's not like that's far off from what he's doing on his own yeah 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 so I guess there is there's a if I could get the middle class of podcasting I'm fine with it yeah you know? hell yeah middle yeah. class good living how important is mindset to what you do because it seems like everything you've done whether it's excelling football at a high level MMA at a high level stand up in two years you're shooting a showtime special like yeah. podcasting <laughs> dude but the fact that you were willing to even think that as a possibility you yeah. know i think as comedians we can be battered and be like well i'll do my 10 years and then when i pay my dues type deal but you yeah. were like no i'm like doing this now type deal and I, I think that's rare in comedy especially so like is there a mindset to you being able to excel in an industry so fast or like what do you attribute to that uh i i, I don't know i wish i could because I don't. Are you aware of it though? That like no. you're in, you enter I'm, I'm a, industry I'm aware, and you just. Yeah. I'm, yes and no. And Sam Tripley helped me out with that because um, I was being hard on myself over some something. And he goes, dude, do you know how hard it is to become a headlining comic? He's like, because you're in LA and because who your friends are and you're surrounded by headliners, you think that's the norm. He's like, go to Florida. Go to Philly. Go to New York. Even go to go to freaking Atlanta. Go, you know, go go down to uh, you know Tennessee. He's like, dude, it's so hard to be a headliner. And there's great comics. He's like, so for you to be able to headline in that short amount of time is is nutsos, man. It's yeah. the fastest I've ever seen. He's like, it's not. But you got to remember, from my perspective, I'm it and it's a blessing and a curse because I have blinders on, and so I see you know Segura, Kreischer, Rogan. Um, you know Joey Diaz, Callen, Theo, all my all my boys, I, the, these headlines. So I'm like, oh, this is what you get in comedy. This is what you do. And then now, as I get older, um, been you know headline for what six years now. Been in comedy about eight. So it's like as I get older, I'm like, oh, that's yeah. And I see these now. I I don't bring a crew with me. I have the the clubs or the theaters book the local talent because I want to see. You know, I want to see what's going on there, and there's some great comics, mm -hmm. and so I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, now now I get it. But uh, you live and you learn. I learned the hardest way. The advice I would have for comics, like, learn from me, man. As far as there's no rush. There's no you're gonna see these comics posting clips on social media, and that's the trendy thing to do. And you see everyone doing, everyone's posting crowd work because they want to ruin their whatever their 15 minutes or 30 minutes or their special material. And you see all this crowd work, and I don't, I don't have the answer. Do something different. Everyone's doing that. Do something different, and also don't be in a rush to get that stuff out. Like let let it build. Like for me, and I had advice from Rogan, from Brian. Like don't do a special yet. Wait. Uh, with with uh, my other special with the Green Girl Poppy, everyone's like, "Oh, I got two million views." Yeah, I, I would have waited on all of it. I would have waited till I got 10, 10 years, and there's a reason they say that. So it's like, don't be in a rush. I know it's to be tempting because you want to get it out there. You see all your friends doing it or comics you look up to doing it. Don't be in a rush. Mm -hmm. Do the do do just wait, man. Just wait, just wait. There's no advantage to doing it early. There's absolutely zero advantage. So why didn't you wait? Uh, I didn't wait. That's a good question. Um, it's tough. And, you know, put yourself in my shoes. You're two years into comedy. Showtime comes to you, offers you this amount of money. More money than I ever made in the UFC. More money than I was making on podcasting. And you do this hour that you've been doing, you know, for two years. You're like, yeah, why not? Mm -hmm. Why not? You know, and I was like, oh, this would be cool. People realize I've only been doing it for two years. 
fastest comic ever get a major network special, they're going to celebrate this. No, no that's, <laughs> that's not how this works. <laughs> what? No, they're not normal human beings. No, buddy. No, that's not how it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to despise you for yeah. it. They're going to hate you for it. Yeah, I, yeah, didn't yeah. Really, I didn't see that coming. Uh-huh. All good. I have big shoulders for a reason. I was built for this hate. It, yeah. it doesn't affect me. But I don't like it. You know, and I, you know, I wish I could change some things, but it is what it is. But I have thick skin, so um, yeah, I just I didn't see that coming. I was like, oh, really, you guys? Oh, okay. But and then, but then I put myself in their shoes, like, dude, that guy over there was doing it for 15 years, then got a network special. Like, yeah, man, he's not gonna like that. Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. And I have no, I have no ill will towards any of those people. I get it. Yeah, you seem to, you seem to be good at like just focusing on what you could control and not letting the negativity get to you. I mean, I have to. Otherwise, you know, I'd drive my, you know, my TRX off a freaking highway, you know, off oh, the PCH. Yes. My TRX. I mean, it's, 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 it's a Dodge truck. It's not much of a flex. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't say like Lamborghini. Or it's still a truck. I'm a blue collar guy here. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah, what else are you can do? Stop, quit? No, no, that's not me. That's not never gonna happen. But have you done anything to try to like, um, like suppress this or like get on top of it? Like it's just what do you? Uh, no, there's nothing you can do. I mean, can can you sue people? I don't. Have you tried doing any of that? No. I mean, we got we we have a lawsuit with a guy who made like three thousand videos. Again, if you're gonna critique stand up or my fight picks or my, whatever my football picks, all good. That's what the internet's for. Now, if you're gonna go out there in uh, defamation, like you know, whatever Brendan hits his kids or beats his wife, oh. well, then you got my attention. I'm gonna come after you. Oh, yeah, that, that game I don't play, and the guy's suffering from that. So, that is whatever. But you know, the internet's always gonna internet. There's nothing you can do to combat that. But you know, I'm in the business of likability. So when I go on the road, I'm. I think too for younger comics or people getting into this, you think that the internet through all the comments or whatever it is is real. It's not real, man. I make a business off likability. I have, I don't know, 10 endorsement deals. That's, that's how I pay my bills. I have 10 endorsement deals. Uh, and this isn't a flex. It's just showing you that, right. you know, I'm more loved than I am liked. You know, I go to a coffee shop. I can't, I can't, I was just with my brother. I can't go anywhere without meeting nice people, man, you mm-hmm. know, who, who love what I do. And then also I sell tickets on the road. That's how else I pay my mortgage, you know? So that, that stuff is real. That's attainable. I see the, and meet those people. So I think that's what helps me navigate through all the darkness. So you don't even do you even see it online? Do you ever catch yourself like looking or scrolling? Oh, I, I think anything? it's unavoidable, especially yeah. now. I run all, all my stuff again, so it's like, you know, I you won't see me like going through YouTube comments or going through Instagram comments. You know, I'll post and ghost, but then I'll go on my friends' walls and stuff and say what's up. You know, or or like their stuff, so I so I see what's going on, but. For the most part, I post and ghost. Because mm-hmm. whether it's good or bad, it's not, you know, it's either, the good ones are like, oh, that's cool. The bad ones, it's good. it could ruin your day. Yeah, dude. Because even like, even like for this show, like when, when I've been recording on my own, like I'll have to make sure the recorder's going and look at the camera to make sure the camera's going in the middle of the interview. And people will roast me in the comments, like, stop looking at the camera, Michael Sarah. They'll say stuff like that. So even like those little comments, I'm just like, oh, I'm just trying to do something yeah, here. Yeah, I'm trying, man. But, but now, Sometimes there might be some sort of benefit from it if they're like, hey, man. But it's just about their delivery. If they're like, hey, it's distracting when you do this on the pod. Like, okay, that makes sense. I, yeah. can, I can work on that and stop doing that. But like for the longest, I had a problem interrupting. It was just my nature. I interrupt people. Like, man, you interrupt too much. Good, good. All right, good note. 
but when it's the and that's why they just don't know the delivery you know mm -hmm. yeah. okay cool well i appreciate you talking about that yeah. because it's something as, as a comedian myself and seeing your career and how quickly everything's happened and just seeing the backlash of everything i'm just like looking at it as a comedian like i mean the it seemed like he, this is a guy who's just like built his own thing and built just his trying own to do my thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I don't get it. So that's, yeah. that's what, even in Not researching you for this interview, I'm like looking at stuff and I'm just like, I don't, I don't know the context for this. They need a villain. But when you look at, especially in comedy, like, you, you know, Matt Rife at all? For sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah Matt's yeah, yeah, a great yeah. kid. Yeah, I've known him and since he, teenager. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Me too. So he, just such a good person. And you look at the hate he's getting, he'll address some of it, you know, he'll talk about it, but people hate success, you know, and I'm not even remotely close to what Matt's doing. I mean, not even remotely, but you look at Drake, Drake releases an album. It's also, it's also not people's fault. Like there's a lot of, you know, the people are going through stuff and maybe one of their outlets is to focus on whoever. My thing is, I'm not even that famous, man. There's so much better <laughs> people to hate on that are going to give you content. I mean, I guess because I do so many shows, so like, man, at least we know Monday through Wednesday this guy's going to release videos we can hate on. Man, there's <laughs> there's, way, true, yeah. there's way better <laughs> podcasters or comics out there to hate on man, that, that are going to give you good material. But I'm not the guy, you know. So, uh, but there's literally nothing. It, it is what it is, you know. But you know, you see it, you know, with Matt Rife. I'll hear you know comics when I'm in the green room make comments about it. I'm like, yeah. yeah. You know, he made like fifteen million dollars in two days selling out his tour it for two years. Like, uh, you think he gives a flying fuck? You guys should be celebrating this. Yeah, you guys should be like, holy shit, that's attainable. Oh wow, and he's only been doing it how long? You know, it's like, man, take inspiration from that. Get and the the reason your mindset of bringing because it's easier to destroy than to create. That's why they do it. It's 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 a sheep mentality to destroy than to create. Creating's fucking tough. Even if you do it and, it and it doesn't go over well, all good. At least you're taking a swing. Those people that are doing this stuff, bringing down Matt Rive or Drake or me or whoever, they're not taking any swings. Think about that. They're not doing anything. Yeah, they're just reacting no to creative. people creating. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're reacting to my creativity. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Do you, do you, yeah, so when you have that in your mind, do you create with like, more hesitation now never, or it's just never you're I'm just, not the guy i was built for it yeah no, never 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 and i know when you were in mma you had like mindset coaches yeah things like that so like what did you since learn? i was a kid it was like this though oh yeah yeah since i was a kid i mean even playing football at a young age playing football at a high level it's just it just comes to the territory you can't please everybody so what do you what do you do to stay i guess just like teflon like is it self-talk what work. do you have any like techniques work yeah just keep working mm -hmm. you know keep working and the proof's in the pudding it's like if i go up to laugh factory tonight if nobody laughed if i bombed every night then i'd be like oh man maybe these these you know these critical people you know these critics are right but it's just not it's just not real mm -hmm. it's not real but I, and it's, again it's not their fault because the way social media and YouTube works, like the algorithm works, it entices, it encourages hate. Yeah. You're going to get more likes and more feedback when you hate instead of, like on this podcast, like, oh, man, that was great, like thumbs up. That might get one like. But if they go, they make fun of, you know, whatever, the way you dress or your hair or, you know, two white dudes or whatever, that's going to get more of a conversation. So that's a algorithm problem. That's something that Elon Musk and uh, Mark Zuckerberg need to work on. Mm -hmm. I can't control that, so I don't worry about it. I can't do nothing about it. So I get it, too. You know, if this is what's getting you attention, it's like having a kid. If he does this and he knows he gets attention, he's going to keep doing it. But if you don't give that attention, he's like, all right, that's not the angle. Let me switch up the gears here. So they got to switch, you know, once 
the these big you know Instagrams, Facebook, and YouTube stop kind of promoting that, people are going to switch their gears. But beautiful. Well, uh, well, as we land this plane here, uh, a question I ask every comedian on here is their worst like bombing experience. If they've ever been booed, if like a crazy heckler, just something in their career that they just will never forget. It's a good question. And you can um, chew on it for a minute. Nah, I gotta, <laughs> I'm trying to think. There, I'm all of them have been learning lessons. Like, um, I had one at the improv. I was on back-to-back shows. I was on the 8 o'clock, 10 o'clock show, the 8 o'clock show. For whatever reason, and some comics did great, I just, it was the worst bomb I ever had. And I was like three years into it. I'm like, oh, my, it was so bad. You can feel the sweat down your back. You're Uh like, oh, this is the worst (laughs) feeling in the fucking, I want to die. And there were some great comics on there, so they saw the bomb. Oh. And I'm parked out front of the improv, so I'm sitting in my car just like, oh, man. I was trying to think of an excuse not to do the 10 o'clock. I'm like, I don't want to do this. And Chris DeLeo walks by. This is like eight years ago, nine years ago. And he's like, what are you doing? It was like five minutes before the show. I'm like, oh, I'm trying to think of an excuse. Like, you know, I tell him I'm sick or whatever. And I'm just sitting there with my head in my hands like this. And then Chris knocks in and he goes, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, dude, I ate shit that last show. I don't want to go back in there. He goes, no, 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 you're going back. This is what we do. Mm. This is what we do. Yeah. No, 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 no. Hell no. He's like, this is what we do, man. You threw an interception, get back out there. I'm like, oh, they, you're right. You're right. And I got back out there. Um, I've also learned, I think before, when I was first starting, I'd look at the lineup and see where they put me. And I'd, I'd be like, oh, man, that guy's a killer. This can be so tough after. I do not care now. I, I think whoever it is like you can ride the wave and it and also the, it restarts every comic like you don't have to worry about that guy you want him to crush him for you. if he bombs it's a, you have to dig it out of a hole the crowd's like oh here we go yeah so I, i'm not i'm not worried about that anymore i think that just comes with the experience like i i, I literally i'll just ask hey when am i well, give me a time i don't i used to ask all right who's up before who's up after now it's like what time you know because i don't worry about that it doesn't that's a weird mentality to have like it doesn't matter if that guy crush you can crush it doesn't take away there, there's not just a finite number of laughs in the crowd it doesn't matter do your thing mm. you know so that that show was after you had released your special as well the oh yeah so you'd release showtime special and then you're at the improv in front of all these famous comics and yeah it's <laughs> tough one man tough one tough one dude chris like what the hell are you doing <laughs> Are they trying to figure out how to get out of here? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we all. That's why I was asked that question because every comic at every level has bombed multiple times. You, you know? have to, yeah, yeah. It's I mean, part I, yeah, of it. I, have a, I have a few, a ton. I was in uh, Kentucky, and I had this bit about uh, probably sucking dick or something like that. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> one know? of the classics. You know, yeah. one of the old throwback <laughs> classics. And these two guys in front of me decked out head to toe thick boy gear. Even even it was weird for me, like take it easy on the gear. Decked out in the front, and they just had too much to drink and do, you know probably doing drugs too. And I they were having fun at first, and when I get into that dick part, they're like, Nah, man. I could hear him go, Nah, man. Oh, hell no. Enough with this gay shit. I'm like, What? So I keep going, and he goes, Hell no. And they stand up. I'm like, What is happening right now? And he's like, Enough about this gay talk, man. Not around here. I'm like, Oh shit. So you know how I know you're gay? And dude, furious, furious. But then the crowd rallied. Mm-hmm. Ooh, they're just drowning them out. And I'm like, fellas, you can stay, but I don't think they want you to stay. You guys want to stay? And they're like, no. I'm like, you guys got to go, man. You know? So, yeah, there's been some weird times. Yeah, that's all But it's part so of much it. fun. Yeah. It, no matter what, it's always fun. Yeah. We've had a guy in uh, 
Spokane, which I'm in Spokane, September 21st to the 23rd uh, this month. Last time we were there, we had this homeless dude break into the green room with a, and throw a glass bottle, and he had a sword. And he threw a glass <sighs> bottle. It broke, hit my buddy Justin, uh, Justin on cut on Instagram, hit him in the head, sliced his head open a little bit, and uh, he had a sword. And I was like, oh, shit, because I always I watch too much murder docs and all that. I'm up to date on the mass shootings. like So in my head, I'm like, oh, tear level five here. So I'm trying to get this before the show. So I'm trying to get the guys, my brothers with me, David Luke, we're all running. And I th- there's a, I don't know if you've ever been at Spokane. There's like three doors. Like it's like it, that It movie. We really open <laughs> one door, open another door. It's like that. I'm like, uh, 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 and the doors lock. I'm like trying to do it and won't lock. So I'm just like, fuck it. So I just freaking full blown bam bam break the door down, <laughs> run out, but it's to the stage. So it's to the stage. No. So I'm like, <laughs> and we walk down the whole crowd, just sitting there like, uh, and we're like, sorry, sorry. I go. There, don't be alarmed. No, you should be alarmed. But there's a guy with a sword. I don't know if he's headed this way. And everyone's like, what? So we walk through the crowd. It's my brother who's not small, David Lucas, who's a giant, uh, me, Justin, and, we're, and there's like, and I think Chappelle Lacey. So it's like big dudes all walking. I hear one dude go, damn, look like a football team with this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been some wild times, man. Amazing, dude. Yeah. Well, um, do you, as we end this, do, do you have any closing advice for comics out there? Don't stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't stop. They, you stop, they win. And by they is whoever they is in your mind. So uh, just and work, 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 man. No matter what the show, if it's the trendy, popular, doesn't matter. Just get up there, man, and work. You know, and work. That's all it is. Be a shark. Don't stop moving. I'm exhausted, so I don't know if that's good advice. <laughs> I'll probably die early, but don't stop. <laughs> well, uh, Brennan Shop, thanks for being on Hot Thank Breath. Thank you, brother. Man. Appreciate, appreciate it, man. You. Yeah. Hot Breath. This episode of Hot Breath is sponsored by our Patreon. If any of our content has helped your comedy career, join our Patreon linked in the show notes and get positive comedy karma for life. Probably.